Well, City Church, it's so good to be here and to celebrate with you this morning. Um, it has been a, a, a good journey, uh, a journey where we have seen God's faithfulness and tender care to us. And so I want to reflect this morning um, on Psalm 23 together, a well-known psalm. But send greetings from Austin, Texas and from the EB household. Um, so uh, thank you for inviting me up here this morning. Psalm 23, hear God's word. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this portion of your word. And as we reflect on it for the next few minutes, we ask that you'd give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to understand, wills to obey, and that we might see Jesus high and lifted up. We pray in his name. Amen. Well, conversations about personality types are popular these days. I'm sure you've been to many a dinner where people start to talk about personality types and whether you are more introverted or extroverted, more assertive or laid back, whether you like to take the lead or follow, whether you are somebody who likes to be the authority figure or be under the authority of somebody else. We live in a world that gives priority, honor, fame, to those who like to take the lead and take charge. Enneagram number eight. <laughs> David Brooks, several years ago, wrote an article comparing two virtues, the competitive virtues versus the compassionate virtues. And the competitive virtues are things like this, toughness, power, strength, authority, dominance, and he said, we live in a culture where the cultural stories that we tell are shaped by these virtues. And we live in a culture where we have a society aspiring to be people like Tony Stark. And he says, out of sync, out of style are the compassionate virtues. Virtues like humility, gentleness, kindness, mercy, forgiveness. He says, we don't tell these stories very often in our culture anymore. And because we don't tell these types of stories, we're shaped to be different type of people. And he says, oh, for the day in which we would retell these stories to become people like Mr. Rogers. So I wanna ask this question this morning, who do you aspire to be in the personality that God has given to you? Do you aspire to be somebody more like Tony Stark 
or somebody more like Mr. Rogers? Well, Psalm 23 is going to take us on a journey of how God sees us as people. And it's this most famous psalm. And in Psalm 23, God describes us all as sheep, all as followers, not as people who are ultimately in charge, not as people who are ultimately in authority. God describes us as needing guidance, as needing care, as needing help, as needing grace as we go on this journey of life. And so this morning, we want to look at the wisdom of Psalm 23, and we want to see three things from Psalm 23 to help us to become faithful sheep and to embrace and celebrate the reality that we all are sheep. So these three things are, number one, why we need a shepherd, number two, when we need a shepherd, and then number three, who is our shepherd. So first, why do we need a shepherd? In a world that is aspiring to be like Tony Stark, why do we need anybody to tell us how to live our lives? Well, friends, it doesn't matter if you're young or old, male or female, assertive or laid back, Christian or skeptic. Each and every one of us here this morning need a shepherd. None of us are autonomous. None of us are ultimately in control. We are all finite. We're sheep. And we need a shepherd because we live in a big world. We live in a scary, dark, crazy, tumultuous world. There are lots of traps to ensnare us in this world. The trap of loneliness, the trap of addiction, the trap of divorce, of disease, of death. No one, no one can escape difficulty, can escape trial, can escape hardship. No matter how well prepared you are, no matter how healthy you are, no matter how wealthy you are, no one can escape difficulty and trial. That great philosopher of our day, Mike Tyson, once said, everybody has a plan until he gets punched in the mouth. And friends, we live in a world that punches us in the mouth. And oftentimes we get punched in the mouth pretty hard when we least expect it. And when life punches us in the mouth, our best laid plans become impotent. And we need a shepherd bigger than life's punches. We need a shepherd bigger than life's circumstances. We need a shepherd who is over and above all of these twists and turns that we experience in the journey of life. And friends, we need a shepherd who is bigger and wiser and stronger than any other shepherds in our lives. And we all have a variety of shepherds. We have life coaches, personal trainers, counselors, uh, financial advisors. These are all good under shepherds. And they all prepare us for the twists and turns of life. They're there to try to care for us through these twists and turns. But when life really punches us in the mouth, even their care and guidance for us proves to be impotent. Three weeks ago, I was traveling to visit another church. And I got on the plane early Saturday morning and took off 
And as we were landing, my phone turned back on, and I received a text from my brother saying, Pop Pop had died in the night. And Pop Pop is my brother's father-in-law, uh, who lived in the same city as us, who was a father figure to me and a grandfather to my kids. And we didn't have time to say bye to Pop Pop. <laughs> and I was supposed to say goodbye on Friday uh, before I got on that plane. And my brother and sister-in-law said, don't come today, he's really cranky. Uh, and he died in the night. And that was a punch in the mouth. So I went through those meetings on Saturday, uh, went to bed pretty exhausted, woke up Sunday morning to a text saying that a pastor friend had died in a motorcycle crash that night. And I was supposed to be working with that church to help them find them another pastor. And that was a punch in the mouth. And what Psalm 23 reminds us of is that we need a shepherd who knows how to care for us when life really begins to punch us in the mouth because we live in a world that is just too big for us. And friends, the only shepherd that is big enough and wise enough and good enough to care for you is the God of the Bible. The shepherd you need is a shepherd that we just read about in Psalm 23. He knows how to care for you through all the highs and lows and twists and turns of life. He knows you. He loves you. He cares for you. And he knows these paths. He knows all of the experiences that we endure as well. And friends, his leading in our lives isn't unto death. It's not unto destruction or violence or vengeance, but unto life, abundant life. Friends, we need a shepherd because we're all sheep. We're all creatures. And this world is too big for us. It's too overwhelming. It's too dark. It's too scary. It's too deep. We're too small. And we all need a shepherd. Well, when do you need a shepherd? You need a shepherd throughout all the seasons of life, throughout all the journeys of life. And this psalm takes us on a beautiful journey of a sheep's life. It starts in the springtime when everything is good for the sheep. The sheep here is described as living in a world after the winter's rain in Jerusalem and there's abundant life all around him. There's green grass, there's still water, there is life everywhere. Springtime in Israel for the sheep is easy. It's good. Sheep can lie down and rest. I'm not a shepherd. I have very little experience with sheep. And so trust a little of what I'm saying about sheep. But what I've heard is that sheep are very anxious animals and sheep have a very hard time resting. But in the springtime of life, when everything is good, when there's grass and water all around, when life is at ease, it is easy to rest. Life is full of hope. Life is full of potential. Life is good. So these first few verses are a picture of wholeness, a picture of flourishing, a picture of abundance. And friends, some of us here are in the springtime of life. Everything's going well. We've got high hopes and high dreams of new relationships, new work, new possibilities, a new pastor. 
We're in the springtime of life and everything is going well. We are at rest. And this psalm reminds us that it is God's goodness and God's faithfulness to you in the springtime of life, that he is the one that has provided these good gifts for you. So if that's where you are this morning, enjoy these days. These days are gifts from your heavenly father. He's the one that is providing these good gifts to you. So receive them with gratitude. Receive them with joy. He's the one who is faithful to provide. But know this, and every sheep in Israel knew this. After the springtime in Israel, when the grass was green and full and the waters were full, the heat would come and the heat would wither away the grass and the heat would dry up the water. And every sheep in Israel and every shepherd in Israel knew that spring doesn't last forever that summer is on the way, that summer is coming, that summer will soon be upon these sheep. I've lived in Austin for 10 years, and Austin is a wonderful place, an amazing place to live. And if you've ever lived in Austin or know people from Austin, there's a conversation that happens pretty much all the time. It'll be a wonderful, glorious February day We'll be out at the park or we'll be at an outside patio at a restaurant and somebody will say, isn't this amazing that we get to live in this beautiful place? And then there's always a Debbie Downer that says, yeah, but summer's coming and August will soon be upon us and we're gonna hate living in Austin in August. Why do we do that? Why do we have this foreboding joy? Why do we have these types of conversations? It's because we know that we really can't enjoy the springtime of life without thinking about summer, about, uh, without thinking about the heat that might come. Summer is a reality for sheep. It's a reality for all of us. Summer shapes us. The heat of summer begins to scorch us. And we need a shepherd who's able to provide and lead and care for us through the heat of summer. So in Israel, when summer was upon the, the sheep and the shepherd, a shepherd had to take them from the mountains in Israel where there was little grass and little water down into the valley. Because Jerusalem is a mountainous city, there was few pasture land up top. So the good shepherd had to lead his sheep down the mountain into the valley. And as he led the sheep into new grass and new water in the summer months, he had to journey down a path where on the road would be bandits and thieves and lurkers and robbers waiting to steal the sheep. And the shepherd knew that these paths were dangerous paths. In the shadows, it's dangerous. In the valley, it's dangerous. But this shepherd has made this trip numerous times, and this shepherd is going to protect his sheep as they journey. And these sheep say, I don't have to journey alone. I'm not going down these hard and difficult paths alone, but I have this shepherd at my side who knows these paths well, and this shepherd's going to keep me alive through the valley. And so as the sheep journey, 
and the seasons change from spring to summer, they have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. Because the shepherd is with them. The shepherd won't let any evil overtake them because their shepherd is bigger than the lurkers. Their shepherd is bigger than the shadows. Their shepherd is mightier than any foe. Their shepherd will get them through the valley of the shadow of death to safety because he's walked these paths many, many times before and he knows how to lead them to rest. And friends, some of us here are in the summertime of life. We're in the heat. We're in the valley. We're in the shadows. We're experiencing the heat of broken dreams, of broken bodies, of broken relationships, of broken careers, of broken homes. We're experiencing the heat of sadness and loneliness and disease and maybe even death. We're experiencing the heat of a world turned against us, the heat of a world that we don't know how to navigate very well. Well, if that's you, embrace these days, endure these days. These days won't last forever either. And know this, in the middle of these days, you have a shepherd who is with you. You have a shepherd who is for you. You are not alone. Your shepherd is walking these paths right alongside you. He knows these paths. He knows them well. He knows them intimately. He's walked them countless times, and he's not going to let any evil overtake you. So as you embrace these days, the heat of summer, do not fear. Your shepherd is bigger and stronger than the summer heat. Embrace these days knowing that they won't last forever. Embrace these days knowing that your shepherd is with you. And friends, most of us live in the in-between, even as Eric prayed this morning. Most of us live simultaneously in spring and summer. I have a friend to illustrate this. Uh, this was years ago, and this is a, a, a pretty acute representation of spring and summer at the same time. He was in the hospital his wife was in labor and delivery room giving birth to their firstborn child, one of the most momentous days of his life. And in the other wing of the hospital was his dad who was dying in his hospital bed. And he spent the day running back and forth between his dad's room and his wife's room. And his firstborn son was born on the exact same day that his father died. And he had to learn that oftentimes spring and summer go right together. Joys and trials are the same track. And he had to learn that he had a shepherd who was big enough to care for him through both of those seasons. Well, know this, fall is coming. Fall is on the way. Fall is around the corner. Fall's good news for us. Who doesn't love fall? But fall was not good news for sheep living in Israel. In Israel, fall was harvest time. Fall was party time. Fall was celebration time. In Israel, they would gather together for long celebrations to feast, to eat, to eat sheep, to eat lamb, lots of lamb. 
So if you were a sheep lucky enough to make it through the heat of summer, guess what that meant for you? You were consumed. You were eaten. You became the feast. You became meat. You became food on the table. But look at our text. Friends, this is amazing. This is incredible. It's astonishing. What happens to these sheep in the fall? A feast is prepared for them. The shepherd doesn't consume them. The shepherd doesn't devour them. The shepherd doesn't take their lives. Instead, he gives them a feast. He gives the sheep a table. He gives them a home. He throws them a party. And he says, you are continually welcome into my home to feast here and you're never, ever going to be eaten. Friends, this is the heart of the biblical story. This is the heart of Christianity. God isn't out to eat you. God isn't out to consume you. He isn't out to devour you. And some of us have a view of God that needs to be radically changed. Friends, God is out to feed you, to provide for you, to care for you throughout all the seasons of life. He cares for you and he loves you so much that he's a shepherd who throws parties for sheep. He's a shepherd who prepares banquets for sheep. He's a shepherd who invites his sheep to the table and says, feast, eat, celebrate with me. Friends, that's the story of Christianity. That's the story of the gospel of how God provides for his sheep. You see, it's one thing to be a good shepherd, to feed your sheep in the springtime of life. That's one thing. It's quite another thing to be a shepherd, to provide food and water and protection and rest for your sheep in the summertime of life. But it's an entirely different thing for a shepherd to throw feasts and prepare tables for the sheep in the fall. But this is what our God does. He throws feasts for us. Friends, you are creatures. You are finite. You are sheep. And you need a shepherd who knows how to care for you through every season of life, through every peak and valley, through every high and low. And the shepherd who can do that for you is the God of the Bible. And so finally, you need to know who your shepherd is. Your shepherd is the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord, the one who keeps faith, the one who keeps promises forever, the one who is always faithful to lead and guide and care for his sheep to love and restore them. The one who continually says, come back to my home, come back to my presence, no matter how far you've wandered, no matter how far you've strayed, come back There is a place for you. Come to my table and keep coming back all the days of your life to feast and dine and sit with me at my table and to receive my mercy and grace, which is always for you. Friends, at the center of this psalm are these words, you are with me. You are with me. And that's the heart of the biblical story, God with his people. 
The entire drama of the Bible is how God comes to dwell with his people to be their shepherd. So who is your shepherd? Your shepherd is the same Lord who is Moses' shepherd, the same Lord who is David's shepherd, the same Lord who is Daniel's shepherd, who cared and provided for them throughout all the seasons of their lives. Your shepherd is the Lord. And your shepherd is the same one who cared for Jesus, his beloved son. You see, your savior needed a shepherd too. He had a father to lead and guide and direct him through his life. He had a father who cared for him throughout the seasons of his life. He had a father who was faithful to him as he walked not just through the valley of the shadow of death, but death itself. And friends, Jesus had a shepherd to lead him through this valley to ascend to his father's right hand. And Jesus now dwells with his father forever and is reigning and ruling over all things for us. And he's gone before us to prepare a table, to prepare a feast, to prepare a banquet. And he loves you and he's cared for you and he's promised to be with you and to provide for you and to bring you from death to life. He is with you. So do not fear. He's greater than every evil because he has swallowed up evil. He has conquered death. He has sent the spirit. He has risen victoriously. And if you belong to him this morning, you have nothing to fear. And he's preparing a feast for you an eternal feast for you, or you will celebrate with him all the days of your life. Friends, you are not the lamb. You are not the lamb. Jesus is the lamb. And when you get this, when you get the reality that you are not the lamb, but God has provided the lamb for you, that God is not out to consume you, but God is out to actually provide tables for you as sheep. It transforms everything in life. You see, you'll be able to receive the springtime of life as good gifts and not to make them ultimate gifts. You'll be able to endure the summertime of life knowing that God has not abandoned you, but that he's with you through the heat of summer you will know that your shepherd is with you, that these are well-worn paths, that he is alongside you through every joy and every trial, and that he has gone before you to prepare a table for you. And when you know this, when you know your shepherd, it transforms everything. You can receive any joy, no matter how big the success might be with gratitude. And you can receive any suffering no matter how hard that suffering might be, with gratitude as well, knowing that your shepherd is with you. But more than this, when you get that you are not the lamb, that Jesus is the lamb, and that you have a shepherd who is with you, that you belong to this shepherd, then in his name, you become an under-shepherd. In his name, you begin to care for others as he has cared for you. In his name... You can love others as you've been loved, forgive others as you've been forgiven, protect others as you have been protected. Not perfectly, but in his name, you can begin to put on the compassionate virtues. 
And in his name, you can begin to be a shepherd to others. And in his name, you can receive the gift of another under shepherd. And you can, with joy and gratitude, remember that God has always been providing for City Church through Craig, through Jeff, through Kevin, through Mitchell, through Tom, through other pastors and other leaders. This has been God's provision for you. And now you can receive another under shepherd in David, knowing that you already have a shepherd, the chief shepherd. The Lord is your shepherd. And when you understand your shepherd's love, your life will be transformed by his love, and you'll be marked by the compassionate virtues. Not seeing everything in life as a competition to be won, but seeing everything in life as a journey to be enjoyed. Walking through all the twists and turns of life through your, to your father's home, who has and who is and who will prepare a feast for you. Let me pray for us. Father, we are overwhelmed by your goodness and mercy. We're overwhelmed by the reality of Psalm 23, that you are our shepherd. We're amazed that you're with us through spring and summer and fall. We're amazed that you don't consume us, but prepare feasts for us. Lord, we ask that our lives would rest in the reality that you are our shepherd, and we ask for grace to become under shepherds in your name. We pray for City Church as they prepare to receive a new under shepherd, that the Richter family would lead and guide and care for this flock as they're led and guide and cared for by you. We ask that you would help the Richters and that you would help City Church to know that they have a shepherd in you. And we ask that you would grant grace and grant your spirit to this community to embody your life in East Nashville and in this neighborhood and to the people and places that make up this community, that they would learn how to continually return to you as the Good Shepherd. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.